Every once in a while here on the Well-Tempered Wireless, we play a, a game called Where in the World is Angela Hewitt? And depending on when you might have uh, tuned in, uh, perhaps she was playing the Ravel left-hand concerto in Vancouver, or perhaps it was Nights in the Gardens of Spain by Faya in Hamburg last week. She was in the Royal Festival Hall, but I can tell you where Angela Hewitt is exactly, because she's sitting right next to me. Angela Hewitt, what a thrill to meet you. It's really nice to be with you, Chris, here in uh, Detroit. Well, and, and you're just a few hours away from your recital at Christchurch Cranbrook, uh, and I appreciate you taking the time. I know you've, you've probably got to, you've got to practice it sometime, don't you? Well, it's good to keep the fingers going every day, you know. So I'm going there, yes, after we speak, I'm going there to rehearse a little bit. I saw the church last night. Uh, I played there, I think, 10 years ago, and I know what a lovely place it is. So I'm looking forward to tonight. I'd like to talk a little bit about your parents, because your dad spent a lot of time at another Christchurch in, in Ottawa, isn't that right? Yes, that's right. He came out uh, from England in 1931 and for 50 years was organist and choir master at Christchurch Cathedral in Ottawa, Canada, where I was born. And uh, so I grew up, you know, listening to not only Bach and, and other composers played fantastically well on the organ, but all of that great church music and singing myself. And so it was a wonderful musical education right from the beginning. Beginning. Your parents were both musical. Yes, my mother also was a pianist, and, and she uh, took organ lessons from my father. That's how they met, and a choir director. So uh, um, she started me off at the age of three, and evidently I asked for a lesson every day, <laughs> uh, which I got from her. And so, as I say, I, I, was, I was really taught, you know, all the good habits of piano playing and musicianship right from the start. So that was incredibly lucky. I've been told, well, I read somewhere that there is probably in a vault under lock and key, a recording of you at the age of four. Is that true? <laughs> well, it's not uh, so much under lock and key. In fact, I just finally copied it to a hard drive the other day for the <laughs> first time. I should have done that years ago, but I got a machine to do this. And, and so I was listening to it last week, and it's really lovely to have, you know, and I sing as well. I sing early one morning, dance to your daddy. I play my grade one royal conservatory pieces, <laughs> which I, uh, I announced the date as June the 1th, and then last. Um, but I play a little piece by Bach, a little one by Mozart. I play girls and boys come out to play. And, and my father always meant to splice it together, but then he never got round to it. So you hear all, you know, 30 versions of the same piece <laughs> to get it perfect because he was a perfectionist. But it's really lovely to have. Well, these days they give you bonus tracks of the outtakes. Right. So, I mean, you're, That's you're right. all set with another album. Here. That's right. I could be. Uh, but I understand, though, that it wasn't always the piano. I mean, well, well, the piano was always part of it, but there were other things you were also interested in. That's right. I did classical ballet from the age of three, which was perhaps the most important of all the other things I did. I did it for 20 years. Uh, I adored it. I cried when I had to give it up. But, um, but you know, dance is still present in the way I play the piano in everything I do, really. And I'm very grateful for that. It gave me great stamina, discipline. Um, and then uh, I played the violin for 10 years. I played the recorder very seriously. Seriously, also for that length of time, as I said, I sang, I did Highland dancing. So wow. I'm really glad that I had a, a very well-rounded artistic um, education as a child because, you know, there are many now who just do their instrument, whether it be piano, violin, whatever. They do it, you know, even at the age of eight, four hours a day, which I think is too much, um, mm. and, and get rather 
blinkered, but to have had this wide experience has really helped me nowadays. And my approach to playing is very physical in, in a good way, I think, because, you know, many pianists sort of are very tense in the arms. And, and for me, the power has to come from the shoulder. So the arms, although, of course, there's an incredible amount of tension and weight there, but 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 the, the power comes from the back. And that's why I always need a massage after a concert. Ah. But, but, um, but the movements must be fluid, I think, to get a good sound at an instrument. And so, you know, there are times when I do... Uh, say to myself or write in the score sit back because as I say to students in master classes if you're all hunched over the piano it does nothing for the for the freedom that you should have in the breathing as well no and breathing is very important also when you play the piano because um, too often pianists just play everything without without a breath and and then the music doesn't sing well, forgive me for bringing this up, but since you mentioned hunched over at mm. the piano, mm. I wonder if whenever you're in Toronto, like passing the CBC, and there's that park bench out there with the bronze mm. of Glenn Gould, of who hunched over the piano, who, well, <laughs> it was impossible to imagine how anybody could play the piano the way he, he did, but another mm. great Canadian also associated with Bach. Do you ever want to sit next to him and give him a few pointers? Oh, well, I have. In fact, I think there's some <laughs> photos on the internet with me, <laughs> on yeah. Twitter with me next, sitting on that bench with some other musical colleagues. But anyway, um, yes, well, he could play anything he wanted. I mean, he managed to play the way he did sitting practically on the floor. I don't know how. Everyone finds their own way of playing. Um, but, uh, and you can't, you know, I think it's very important for a teacher not to sort of impose their own way on a student unless there's something that's really not working. Um, but but, uh, yeah, Gould, you know, was I, I never met him. Uh, many of my close friends did. Um, and my parents heard him play, of course, when he was a young man before he stopped playing in, in concert. I met his father when his father was 94 years old after, uh, Gould had, after Glenn Gould had died. Um, but, uh, yeah, the fact that we're both Bach pianists, I think, is more or less a coincidence. My, one of my teachers in Toronto, Myrtle Guerrero, was the widow of Gould's only teacher, Alberto Guerrero. So I used to hear about him from her. Um, and uh, But maybe there's something in the Canadian weather, you know, that we Bach it takes such meticulous practice and attention to detail, and you need a lot of time, and when it's very cold outside, <laughs> you don't want to go out. So if you're, if you're a Canadian, you have an edge. <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> Why Bach? Now, uh, uh, part of that is, is there's an obvious answer to that question. He was a great composer, and there's, mm. uh, it helps your technique and all that, but mm. you've really focused on this composer. Not that there are plenty others that we'll get mm. to in a moment, but Bach obviously has a very special yes. uh, place for you. Well, I think we hit on that at the beginning when I said my father was an organist and I heard him play uh. Bach so well. And, you know, I grew up listening to him play the Toccata and Fugue in D minor uh. and that Fantasia and Fugue in G minor, you know, with wonderful themes and subjects. And I just, right away when I was a kid, I just loved the drama in Bach. You know, he'd play one of those fugues on the organ it was so exciting the way he'd build it up and then there would be a pause on a diminished seventh chord and the timing and so all of those things I picked up naturally when I was young and and I think I'm there's something in my nature too that uh 
likes to take very complicated music and and unravel it and make it sound easy to the listener, which, of course, is not easy at all. Right. But there is something in my nature. I know when I was a child, a baby, my mother would tie me in the playpen outside so I'd get some air, and then she'd have to do her chores, and then I would you know, spend the next hour undoing all the knots that she tied, and, and then she'd find me running down the street <laughs> because I just loved undoing knots. So I think I, I do, you know, I like taking complicated things and sorting them out, so... And with Bach, you need that. But also, as you say, it's beautiful music. It's such a, it, it, uh, you know, if I need to be known for one composer, I'm happy it's yeah. Bach rather than any other. Excellent and, choice. And it gives you a, such a basis for attacking all the other repertoire. When you were growing up, uh, did you ever have a chance to go to your dad's pipe organ and just wail? Whale, you mean? As in play. Oh, play it, yeah. Okay, yes, of course. I fooled around with it a lot. In fact, I remember one Sunday when he hadn't practiced enough, and so he said, well, won't you play those four Bach duets, which are just on the manuals, no, without the pedals. And so I did. But yeah, I fooled around on it a lot, and and I I love the instrument. We had a a concert series where all the great, you know, um, North American and and, uh, European organists came to play, which was always exciting. But... um, but still, the piano was more my instrument. My father understood that, you know, because the as great as the organ is, it's a little bit more limited than the piano. My guest is Angela Hewitt. She'll be playing a recital at Christchurch Cranbrook uh, just a few hours from now uh, at 7.30. And you can find out information at cranbrookmusicguild.org. That's cranbrookmusicguild.org. And Angela, I'd, uh, in researching this interview, I went to your website, which yeah. is a great website, by Good. the way. Good. I need to update it at the moment. I've been a little lazy. Well, too busy oh, you're, you're way ahead of a lot of other people, I have <laughs> okay. to tell you. But I looked at your rep. Yeah. And, and there are a lot of people who maybe think, oh, Angela Hewitt, she's that Bach pianist. Yeah. And that's true, but I noticed Bach, Beethoven, of course, Mendelssohn, yeah. Mozart, Faure, Franck Messiaen, Olivier yeah. Messiaen, that might be a surprise for some people, uh, Dominic Muldowney, right. and uh, a variety of uh, Canadian composers as well. And it just goes on for page after page <laughs> after page. <laughs> and some of these, I should mention, like Mendelssohn, various, uh, just as various. I mean, there aren't even all the pieces. How do you keep all this stuff in your head? Well, of course, it's not there all at once. But, but <laughs> you know, I, my, my teachers, and especially the French teacher I had beginning at the age of 15 to about 23, uh, he was so intelligent in giving me so much repertoire when I was young because that's the repertoire you really remember. You know, I can sit down and play you the Goldberg Variations, the Liszt Sonata, the Chopin E minor concerto any time because I learned them when I was 17. Uh, pieces I learned <laughs> a few years ago, and I won't mention now how old I am. You can look that up. Uh, that Becomes, that becomes a little harder. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's it's so important to keep the mind going. And I'm not one of these pianists who takes one recital program for the whole year and plays it 50 times. I'd go crazy. I mean, I, you know, last week alone, I played three different programs. One was the Complete Art of Fugue, which I actually I'm playing in Atlanta in a few days. This program tonight, which is Bach, Scarlatti, Beethoven, and Liszt. And then I also recorded five Beethoven sonatas at the same time in, in Italy for Hyperion. So, you know, I do carry a huge amount of repertoire at once. When, when I have my festival in Italy, I give six different programs in seven days, including chamber music, concertos, solo recitals. So I think, um, you know, if you're going to be a very interesting pianist, 
uh, and successful one, you have to have that capacity to keep a lot of repertoire in your head. But yeah, you know, I I don't know. It's just I, I should really have had my brain measured before I memorized <laughs> the complete works of Bach, and then after and see how it had changed. That would be very interesting. I, there, yeah. There's a doctoral thesis right, in that. Right. How do you decide to add a piece to your repertoire? Well, uh, at this point, I mean, there's certain just gaps that I want to fill in. For instance, I'm finishing the complete Beethoven sonatas. I've done 23 now, so I just have nine left, which is pretty good. Uh, I've done already the complete works of Bach, really. Uh, there are a few new concertos. This year, for instance, I played for the first time the Brahms D minor concerto. That had been a lifelong dream since uh. the age of 15 when I had Katchen's LP of it that I played incessantly. And uh. so I did that. The Defia piece you mentioned, the Nights in the Garden of Spain, that, that was new this year. Also, the Ravel Left Hand Concerto was new this year. Those were three concertos I'd wanted to add for a long time. So finally, I got dates with them. And, you know, if you have a date to play something, then you know you well, have to learn it. There's right? an incentive, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so there's st- there are still, you know, several concertos I, I want to learn and, and do. But, um, but I don't know. I just keep an open mind and, and what people suggest. But at this point, really, in my life, it's stuff that either I really want to do or a few new commissions or um, you know I haven't got time at the moment to learn things that I that aren't really me yeah hmm. well I want to ask you a little bit about that left hand concerto the mm-hmm. Ravel I've been a huge fan of that concerto for a long time and of course part of the genius of that is if you listen to it you're not thinking left hand you're thinking no. wow this is a great concerto did you uh, I, I, I don't know what the question is, but it, 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 you know, going from Bach, yeah. for example, to that left-hand concerto Ravel seems like like quite a, a leap. Well, of course, in Bach, you, you develop your left hand enormously because the left hand has to be just as strong and agile as the right. You know, he does in Bach, in Baroque music in general, it's not the right hand that always has the melody. So by playing Bach, you develop the left hand technique. Now, when I started the Ravel left hand, which was really the last piece of Ravel for me to learn because I've done the complete works otherwise, um, it's, the brain at first sort of resists, you know, thinking, uh, what is this? And then I noticed that after a while, the reflexes would start coming, but the brain takes over and sort of gets used to the fact that you're just playing with the left. No, and I'm not saying it's easy at all. It was very, very difficult to learn. But um, my teacher had played that piece incredibly well, and I had always loved it. And But, but, but yeah, there's, I think the brain adapts in, in, a, in, a, in a very surprising way. And But for sure, you know, I think after I had practiced that for several months and then performed it, you know, many times in that week, then I really needed the chiropractor. Wow. <laughs> also for my for my hips, because, of course, in that oh, piece, you're yeah. playing up at the top of the keyboard yeah, a that's lot. That's right, And yeah. so you're twisted. Although I do place the bench a little bit higher up the keyboard than Perfectly usual. Perfectly acceptable. Yeah. But I really need the, needed the chiropractor after that one. <laughs> my guest is Angela Hewitt. Go hear her tonight Christchurch Cranbrook at 7.30 information at cranbrookmusicguild.org and uh, Scarlatti mm-hmm. Bach Beethoven uh, Albanus yes uh, and uh, Defia a little right. bit oh, what a great program I, I want to ask you one last thing before we let you go I know you need to get ready for your recital but we're giving away tickets we've been giving away tickets all week long to this I have two tickets left dear listener and for the first time in my memory, I'm going to ask the person who's actually playing to give out the phone number 
for these tickets. So okay. here's here's Angela Hewitt giving out the phone number that you can call now. I'm going to pick one caller at random in just a moment, and you can go here. The the fingers that go with this voice. Here's the number, Angela Hewitt. Okay, three one three four nine four eight six three five. I'll give that once more. Three one three four nine four eight six three five. That's so classy. I think I'm going to faint. <laughs> Angela Hewitt, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Chris. A pleasure. And here's some music to dial by.